Lord God, we thank you so much for your generosity, and we pray that as we listen to these words that you have prepared, we pray that only the truth of your word will be preached from this pulpit, and, and, and only the truth of your word will be heard. And we pray that those truths will change us, help us to give ourselves to you as we are reminded of your generosity towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. First, I want to say once again that this is really for the church family. If you're visiting um, here today, I'm really, really glad that you're here. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I, I hope you can get something out of it, but this isn't really for you. This is really for the church family. And especially if you are visiting and if, you're, if you don't yet know Jesus yet, really I think the giving is in response to what Christ has done for us. And so if you don't yet know Jesus, don't, you know, this is, uh, I hope you get to realize what Jesus has done for you, uh, but don't feel obliged uh, to give at all. Um, this, once again, I want to say is for the church family. Um, and we do this once a, once a year, um, Stewardship Sunday. Um, and I, um, yeah, let's just pray that God will speak to us. Okay, so this is, this is, I've done some research on this. Um, this is the biggest, um, li- this is a list of the biggest philanthropic donations adjusted for inflation. Andrew, Gar- Andrew Carnegie gave $7.2 billion. Um, John D. Rockefeller, $7.1 billion. And his son, John Rockefeller Jr., gave uh, $7.1 billion, uh, $5.5 billion. The biggest donation, the biggest foundation there is actually Gates Foundation, $26 billion. That was probably the biggest thing before, actually, um, the Warren Buffett in 2005 made the single largest donation ever by giving $31 billion to the foundation. And according to Chronicles um, 129, 4 through 5, King David made a large donation. And I wondered, to, to the building of the temple, and I wondered how much this would be in today's terms. So it says in verses 4 to 5, four, four 3,000 talents of gold, which is, if you read the footnotes, that's 110 tons of gold. And 7,000 talents of refined silver, that's 260 tons of silver. And, seven, uh, uh, and other precious me- uh, metals. Anything, any of these things in tons is staggering, isn't it? And I wondered then how much this would be in today's money. Gold price today it, uh, went for, when I did the research on Wednesday, it fluctuates quite, uh, quite um, regularly, but on Wednesday it was 55,000, no, 57,587.68 US dollars per kilogram. So that's 55.56. Um, thousand dollars per kilogram, which makes it fifty-five million five hundred and eighty-seven thousand six hundred eighty thousand per ton. Now, uh, and therefore, hundred and ten tons right now in today's money would be about six trillion one hundred and fourteen million six hundred and forty-four thousand eight hundred dollars. So that's just the gold, and then you have to add what uh, David gave uh, for silver. Um, and we have to add about 272,677,600 U.S. dollars for 260 um, tons of silver. So donation, David's donation towards building capital, build, building, building fund of the temple was uh, $6.3777 trillion in today's money. 
put that in perspective, you know the Greek economy that's in trouble. They owe only about $407 billion to the rest of the world. $407 billion. That's only 6.4% of what David gave. Um, and, and that's just silver and gold. According to verse 2, he donated bronze, iron, wood, onyx, turquoise, and other precious, uh, other marble, uh, marbles as well. He wasn't exa- exaggerating when he says in verse 2 that he um, gave all of his resources as he provided for the temple of God. I know that really it's an unfair comparison because gold and silver, the precious metal uh, today, the, the price is so inflated. I know, I know. But, I mean, it just puts that in perspective, isn't it? And the first chronicler, chronicler is so impressed with David's giving. But after David gave so willingly, he calls on the rest of Israel to give as well. And the leaders of Israel, those with the means, give generously as well, more than what King David gave. According to verse 7, it's 190 tons of gold, 375 tons of silver, and 675 tons of iron, and hosts of other precious metals and stones. I want to say, generosity characterizes biblical giving. We often talk about tithing as that, as, as if that is the standard for giving. But, and of, of course, tithing is biblical. It comes from Leviticus 27.30. I'll just read that to you. Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or the fruit from the tree, uh, trees, belong to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And 10% of what the land produced, what the animals produced, what people produced, gave, they, they gave it so that they could sustain the Levitical ministry, the, people, uh, the, the Levitical ministry, the people who didn't inherit the land. So that was 10%. And the man who didn't tithe was, were said to be uh, robbing God. Malachi put it in no certain, no uncertain terms. This is Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. And when we say the generosity characterizes the biblical giving, it actually went much further than tithing. Preachers often say this, I know, but it's true. If you read the Bible, Old Testament and the New Testament uh, carefully, tithing was the minimum what people gave. There was the second tithe, actually, um, called festival tithe. According to Deuteronomy 10 through 18, look it up, Deuteronomy 12, 10 through 18, this tithe was given towards annual celebrations and festivals. So the first tithe was given to keep the Levitical ministry going. Second tithe, another 10% was given to keep the festivals and the religious celebrations going. And then there was more. The poor tithe, according to Deuteronomy 14, this was given to provide social welfare for the poor in Israel. These were given, 10% was given every three years, which means 3.3% each year. So, 23%. And you, if you think that, that's enough. There was even more. There were rules for grace giving, fellowship offering, free will offering. If you count all of these things, the Bible, the Old Testament, um, is projecting about 30% of your giving. The New Testament isn't all that different either. We don't know about the percentage because the New Testament doesn't talk about percentage. But it's as if there's no need to talk about the percentage because generosity was what characterized their giving. 
we hear of the early church, church members who sold their houses and land to lay down at the apostles' feet, and the members who didn't consider their property their own and shared it with everybody else. We hear of the collective giving, collection uh, of Macedonian churches towards um, that, that were to go to the Jerusalem church in 2 Corinthians. Um, so this is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 3, 3 to 4, famous verse, um, verses. This is what Paul writes. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They gave as much as they were able. Some of them gave beyond, and they begged for the privilege of being able to give. I know the time is different. We live in a different time, don't we? I mean, there's a, uh, we, the, the, the government collects taxes, and there's pro- social wel- welfare provided. Um, that's all true, but I want to still say generosity marks Christian giving. Now, if we go back to our passage... I want to say, well, David seems to give at the end of his life. And some of you might say, well, you know, David sort of kept his wealth until the very end, until he knew that he was going to die. But I don't want you to think that. Remember how David actually wanted to build this temple himself. If you uh, flip back to First Chronicles chapter 17, he asks, he asks for the privilege of building God's temple. And God says, no, 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 that's not what I want you to do. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to build you up. And I'm going to let you know that you cannot contribute anything to me. That's the point of 1 Chronicles chapter 17. David wanted to build this house, and God says, No, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to to give you these things. And God fulfills that promise, doesn't it? God blessed him. God made him a great king. God gave him the power and wealth. And God reminded David that he can't give back to God anything. And yet, here's the thing. David wants to contribute. David wants to give back to God something. So he thinks about his death. As he thinks about his death, because in the same chapter he dies, at the end of chapter 29 he dies, he makes plans. So if you look at verse 1, he worries about his son. Solomon is going to have this privilege of building, and he worries about his son. He says, well, Solomon's young, and he's inexperienced, and this task is great. So he provided building plans. He provided the resources to gift his son so his son could have the privilege of building with his money. So he gives freely and generously. He cannot believe as he gives that he can contribute back to God Look at verse 14 and his amazement. But who am I? Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Once again, this isn't a stingy man thinking about his death and thinking, oh, how can I just, maybe I should just give this away. That's not his thought. He has planned to contribute in this way. I really hope that you aren't, you aren't turned off um, by my, my talking about money and how generous people have been in the Bible. Because some are cynical about giving, and I understand. And many, there are good reasons to be cynical about giving. People often say churches are like businesses. They function as businesses, institutions that make money. And there are churches that make a lot of money. 
And I'm sure, I'm not sure how to um, assuage your suspicion, except to tell you, first, that um, David, you know, donated so that it went to building of God's house. And I want to assure you that the, the, the money that you give will go back to you, to all of you and to this church, to building of this church. First, my, my salary is set by St. Andrews, our mother church. Um, we, we have no control over it. Uh, St. Andrews sets it. Um, Joyce and I are the only full-time staff at the church. You know, we don't get an end-of-the-year bonus or anything. You know, as you give, as you give, we, it's, everything will go back to you, to, to, to this church, to, uh, to the missionaries that we support, the things that we support in this church. My priority is to find a full-time, another full-time pastor to come in, full-time worker to come in, and so that, um, so that we can con- build on the work that we, uh, we have started here. We have a very happy problem of children's ministry and the youth ministry that are growing in this church. But we want to do it better. We want to find the right volunteers. We want to train the volunteers to, to do the job. We want people not to burn out as they go. We want to equip that ministry. I often feel that my job is just maintaining the things that we have because everything that I want to start, the things that we want to do, it, it takes enormous energy out of me. And also, it, sometimes I, have, I feel like I have to stop something in order to get another thing going. I want to eventually find perhaps a, a community center, a place where we can meet um, where youth ministry and young adult ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, Filipino fellowship, Christian, Christianity Explored, Alpha Course can meet. At this point, every time we want to do something, we have to rent a place. And it's not ideal, is it? I mean, we want, if we rent a classroom in there, you know, it's not an ideal place for Christianity Explored, Alpha Course to meet. And we have to rely on the either uh, rented space or generosity of people. And I know that uh, Janikin's here, and Janikin has kindly offered uh, the on- Onoko office uh, for us to meet for many, many different things. And I, 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 I really thank God for that, but we can't continue counting on things like that. So I want to say that money will go back to the church. And secondly, I want to challenge, well, first of all, myself, but also the leaders of this church. Leaders to review their giving first. David was a leader. He gave generously. And when he calls at the end of verse 5, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? And in verse 6, it's the leaders who lead by example. They give. They give generously. They gave even more than what David gave. They gave willingly and joyfully. And may I just challenge the leaders of this church today, committee members, small group leaders, youth group leaders, whatever it is, whatever role that you have in giving. And as people, the rest of the church hopefully sees the leaders give generously, maybe they'll be led by our example as well. But um, before we go on any further, I want to ask the question, what made David's giving so generous? What, what made the Israelites give so generously? And I think the heart of this passage isn't at the beginning, which talks about the, how much they gave, but it's in the middle. It's in the middle between verses 10 and 13. David praised the Lord in that psalm that's there, in that song. And the crux of this, uh, that, that, that poem is this. Yours is greatness and power. Yours is everything. And yet, you have shared everything. 
That's at the heart of this passage. Look at verse 11. Yours is the greatness and power, the glory and the majesty and splendor. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, and you are exalted over all the earth. Everything is God's, he says. Everything in, between, uh, in, in heaven and on earth is God's, and everything in between is God's. And then, in verse 12, he says, God has shared these things with his people. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. Enormous wealth of David and the Israelites came from God, David says. So the reason why, as David is so generous and as he lays out all the things that these people have given, the reason why he can be generous, he says, is because God has been generous to them. This is his generosity is a sign of God's generosity. And that's why he's able to say now in verse 13 that the act of giving is his way of then praising God, of giving thanks to God, to him. So he ponders then on the absurdity of this giving, doesn't he, in verse 14, once again. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now, if you really think about that, this is what he says. Um, Chris Wright, uh, theologian Chris Wright, puts it this way. Imagine that you have just moved to Hong Kong and you, have a, you need a place to live. You don't have any money. And this very generous and rich person says, I'm going to build you a house and I want you to live in it. And he furnishes the house with the best things, best couch, best TV, best everything. And you live in the house. And this, um, this rich man, uh, it's his birthday. And you think to yourself, how can I give? Why, why should I give to the man who has everything, who has given me everything? And then you think to yourself, okay, well, that lamp looks really nice. And so you take a lamp, the, the, the thing that, that that person has given you, and then you show up at his birthday party and then go, happy birthday with a big grin on your face. That's the absurdity of giving back to God, isn't it? That's what David is saying. You have been so generous to me. You have been so generous to all of us. How can we have this privilege of giving back to you, uh, back to you God? How can, uh, why should you be pleased with this? But God is pleased. Um, and that's why he ends once again in verse 16. All of this, all of this belongs to you. All things come from God, our ability to work, our creativity, our energy, opportunities, and all the things that we have heard, it comes from God. And secondly, David is able to um, give because he recognizes his mortality. Uh, he's giving what he can keep, he says in verse 15. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as well as all of our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Foreigners and aliens, they're not foreigners and aliens in Israel, are they? I mean, they are the... He's talking about earth. He's talking about this fallen world. He says that um, we live here for a time. Why shouldn't I be able to give? Now, you know, I'm sure you've had the experience as well. I've... uh, The time that I'm most generous, I've moved to... I've lived in five different countries. The time that I'm most generous is when I'm about to move to a different place. 
You know, oh, you want that? You can have that. Please take it. Please take it. You know, before, for, for a long time, you hoard, right? Oh, yeah, this, I, I'm not, I don't use it every day, but I might use it at some point, you know. Um, you, you take it. But then, the, just as you're about to leave to a different place, you just give it away because you know you can't take everything with you. And that's what David is saying here. Our time on earth is fleeting. It's like a shadow, he says. And I'm giving you what I can't keep anyway. I can't keep these things anyway for myself. Why shouldn't I be able to give? And what a privilege then it is that God is pleased with that. And at the end of the day, what made David's giving so generous and joyous was this crucial fact that he had already given himself to God. Did you catch the question in verse 5? Verse 5, after he gives, he doesn't ask the leaders of Israel, now, what, 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 what are you willing to give now? He, that's not the question. The question is, is, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? In other words, who is able to distinguish themselves? Who is able to set themselves apart? Who is able to give themselves over to God, dedicate themselves over to God, not just the things, but themselves to God. David shows that he has given himself and his life and everything that he has already. And as American uh, Pastor Kent Hughes um, says, it's easy to surrender the part if you have given the whole. It's easy to surrender the part if you've given the whole. And that's what David's asking. And in fact, when we become Christians, that's the call of discipleship as well. Jesus asks nothing less. Jesus asks from the very beginning, will you surrender everything that you have and follow me? That's the call. Will you give up everything that you have and follow me? And it's only who's able to surrender everything and consider everything God's who's able to give generously. And I think that really is then the difference between the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God requires 10 to 30 percent. But that's just the surface of it. That was a symbolic anticipation of a deeper kind of giving that's laid out in the New Testament. It's giving of life, giving of everything. And we are able to do this because Jesus gives himself. God has given his son to all of us. And many of you, I'm sure, will say, I'm, you know, for my son, for my daughter, I'll be able to give everything. But God has done that. God has given his son to all of us. And God has given his son um, to share through him with us everything that he has. And, lest, um, and Christ went to the cross willingly. And once again, I'm going to quote another person. Tim Keller, um, the, the pastor in, in the U.S., um, puts it this way. He didn't tie, Jesus didn't tie this blood. He gave, himself, he gave himself completely so that we can share in the fellowship of the Trinity, even the fellowship in, in himself through Christ and through the giving of the Holy Spirit. We give because God first gave, because he has been generous beyond our imagination. I know at this point, you are probably thinking the bottom line. How much? That to us is always the bottom line. That to us is always on our minds. How much? 
I'm going to give you the answer that you already know. It's not about the money. It's not about the money because God isn't pleased with money. Remember, God has everything, and God made a point to David and saying, you know, you can't contribute back to me. I'm going to just bless you. God isn't pleased with the money, the text, but, but the text tells us what God is pleased with. So if you can turn back, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 17, this is what David says as he gives. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. God is ple- pleased with the integrity of the heart. That is why Jesus can say that the widow who gave that little bit, that p- the fraction of a dollar, gave generously, and God is pleased with that. And that's why God punishes Ananias and Sapphira, remember, in Acts, who pretended to have given everything, which must have been a lot, but actually kept they kept some for themselves. They were punished not because they, gave, they, they didn't give a lot, but they were punished because they lied about their giving. They gave the impression that they gave everything but kept some for themselves. And David continued in verse 17, All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given you. Willingness, joy, and praise were the attitudes of the people who gave back to God. And that's what God is pleased with. I don't know if you've ever been to an African church or an African-American church when, um, at the, in the time of giving. Um, a lot of times they will have uh, a basket up in the front. And people will write uh, their checks and whatnot and put it in the envelope, and they will line up, and they'll play uh, this music, and people will dance and sing and clap as they give. As they give. Um, and that's how our attitude towards giving should be. Because we're giving, our giving is a celebration of God's generosity towards us. Because we're giving, God, because we, we, we give knowing that we are giving what we can't keep anyway. Because God looks our, at our hearts as we give. The amount that you give really is between you and God. Uh, as we, uh, I've quoted Second Corinthians 8.3 already, but I'm going to read you one more time. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. It is really between you and God. You, you give as you are able. But I, I do want to say, uh, as I end, I uh, just want to make a fun, one sort of final practical suggestion. Um, David planned his giving. He planned his life. Um, uh, uh, you know, he, he planned his giving um, uh, for, for the temple. Um, and you don't need to give today, and you don't need to give um, next week, but I want you to plan your giving. Be intentional about your giving. I would love for you to think about your giving rather than pulling out something out of your pocket each week. Um, would you take the opportunity this Sunday, uh, next, next few Sundays, to plan out your giving? Make a budget of how much you need, how much you're uh, 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 going to give. Plan it out systematically. 
You do this for vacation, you do this for vacation, you do this for everything, retirements, for everything else, and our giving towards God should be planned in that way as well. And this might mean that you're giving decreases, and that's fine. It's, it's a, this one, once, a, once a year, it's a time for us to review our giving, to think once again of uh, make our giving intentional. And practically speaking, I want to recommend a couple of things. In our planned giving scheme, you can give in, in two ways. One is a standing order. Um, you, you set it up. You say you commit to giving this amount of money, and it comes out of your bank account right away. Uh, and secondly, you can do uh, uh, envelope giving um, with envelope giving as well. Um, Kenneth, our treasurer, will be at the back to answer any of your questions uh, back today if you have questions about planned giving. But I want you to just really think about your giving and be intentional about it. Think, pray, and uh, only give if these are things um, that you can, you can, you can affirm. Give only if you're convinced that everything is actually God's. That God has been generous to you. That your giving, then, is an expression of God's generosity. And that you can really give willingly and joyfully. And I hope, as you give, that you are able to say what David said as he gave. But who am I? And who are my people? that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We're going to just take an opportunity um, to reflect on this um, and reflect on what God has given. Um, And uh, I'm going to ask Paul uh, and the music team to come. Uh, And this next song, I will offer up my heart. Once again, it gets right at the heart of it, that we're not just giving our money, but it, it, we are giving ourselves um, at the offering section. And, and this, our giving each, each week is just a symbol, symbol of what we have already given our, our lives. So let's reflect on that. And after that song, we'll stand and have a, have a time of offering um, as a closing song as well. So uh, I invite you now just to listen to the song, listen to the words, and, and pray on your own just to, for a few minutes.